The New Testament reading today comes from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 to 11. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks, as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belongs glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And let's pray again together. God, our gracious Father, we thank you for the supernatural word of life that brings us into the presence of God, that gives to us the voice of God. And so we ask today for the teaching and the administration of your Holy Spirit that he would take the holy word and apply it to our hearts. Grant us ears to hear and eyes to see. May your kingdom come in our lives this day, we pray, for we ask it for the sake of Jesus. Amen. Well, today I'm going to continue on with the uh, passage from 1 Peter 4, and uh, I'm going to continue to work slowly through this passage uh, 7 to 11. Last week we looked at verse 7, and today I'm going to look at verse 8, and I make no apologies for going slowly through this. I think it's very important, and we want to to take everything out of it that we can. Um, and so I'm going to, to home in on verse 8 today to look at this important uh, verse, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. When it comes to encouraging the church uh, on how to operate together, how to live together, how to be together, Peter knows how important it is to emphasize the importance of love. Peter knows how quickly a church can fall apart, can disintegrate, can unravel. He's aware of how cracked we are, how bent we are, how misshapen we are. He knows how prickly we are. He knows how sharp we are. Even the strongest among us are astonishingly weak. As the old saying goes, on the best of days, we are men at our best, or as J.C. Ryle puts it even more forcefully, at our very best, we are far worse than we ought to be. And so given the, offensive, the, the inherent, uh, offensiveness of us all, Peter knows that the only way for a community of believers to grow and to be enriched together is for earnest love to be present as the fundamental and as the abiding and as the preeminent operating principle above all, he says. Above all things, love one another and that earnestly. This is the most important thing for you, church. For we can be a church that understands all mysteries and knowledge. We can have Calvin's Institutes known backwards and forwards. We can be a church that has a faith to move mountains. We can be a generous church. We can give 50% of our incomes to the kingdom of God. But if love is not the foremost thing, the Bible tells us that we are nothing. 
Love is supposed to be the preeminent operating principle. Love is supposed to be the chief characteristic, the hallmark, the salient feature of the church. 1 John 3.14 We know that we have passed out of death into life. Why? Because we love the brothers. But how quickly, how very quickly we can grow embittered against each other. How very quickly we can make mountains out of molehills, nurse secret grievances towards the peccadilloes of our brothers and our sisters. We're pricked by some sharpness in our brother. We retreat into our den and we stare at our wound and we think of little else except that small scratch which begins to fester and to bubble with the pus of malice and hate and then we ourselves become something toxic. How often we chafe against each other in this community of faith. How often we prick each other. How often the grit of our lives comes across far more coarsely than ever we imagined. We thoughtlessly wound our brothers and our sisters. How easily the believing community can become a habitat of suspicion and distrust and resentment instead of the gracious and kind sphere that the church is supposed to be. If it were not for love, love covers a multitude of sins, we read. You see, love covers sin. Love hides sin. Love is there to to cover the sin that is always going to be with us as a church until the Lord takes us home. Love doesn't get on the phone and expose sin. Love doesn't call its neighbor and its close friends and spend hours gossiping about the sin of its neighbor. I can't believe so-and-so did such-and-such to me today. She walked right past me today. She didn't even say, hello. I know she saw me. It was so rude. Can you believe? And the bubbling, festering toxicity starts to grow. Love doesn't do this. Love seeks to protect. Love seeks to guard. Love seeks to hide. Love covers a multitude of sins. Now, there are grievous sins that love seeks to highlight, and it's important to make that distinction. Matthew 18 talks about the issue of serious sins uh, against a brother and expects that we will confront those issues. Paul in 1 Corinthians 5 addresses the man who is practicing open sexual immorality in the church, and Paul rebukes the church for not exposing the church and dealing with it in a timely and a faithful manner. You should be mourning, says Paul. You should be mourning about this. Instead, you're boasting about how inclusive you are and how gracious you are. Look at what a loving church we are. We are welcoming the sinner. Your boasting is not good, says Paul. It's wrong. You're boasting about this in a wrong way. Purge the evil person from among you, Paul says. And at various points in Scripture, Paul addresses sinful people in the church who are, a, who are a threat to the health and to the vitality of the church, even pointing out Peter himself when Peter loses sight of the gospel. There are some sins serious enough to warrant exposure. And yes, there are degrees of sin. 
It's one of the most unhelpful uh, untruths circulating today that all sins are equal. Some sins manifestly are worse than others, just like some villains are worse than others. You have a petty thief, but then you have a Moriarty. There are degrees of wickedness, and a crime is not a crime is not a crime. And Paul again spells this out in 1 Corinthians 5. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not even tolerated among the pagans. See, Paul admits to kinds of sin. He admits to degrees of sins, and some sins are so grievous and so dangerous to the church that they call for our special attention. The drunkenness of Noah was bad. The drunkenness of Noah was bad. But David, stealing a man's wife and then murdering a wife's husband, was far worse. And so, brothers and sisters, today it's important for us as a church as we bump into each other's bumpiness, week by week, week by week, as our crooked and as our jagged edges, as we chafe against other crooked and jagged edges in the church, as we walk this path of sanctification together, it's important to discern which faults warrant exposure and confrontation and which sins in love we bury. All of us, all of us need a big, wide, and often frequented backyard in our hearts where we go daily to bury the sins of our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we leave them there in the ground. Well, we say to ourselves, he was rather gruff today. That hurt, Lord, but I love him and I forgive him, and I'm going to go into that backyard, and I'm going to bury that sin. I'm going to cover it. I am not going to nurse the offense. I'm not going to backbite and complain to someone else. I'm going to take that sin into the backyard of my heart, and with the shovel of love, I'm going to dig a hole, and I'm going to throw that sin down there and be done with it for good. And if my brother wounds me seven times, I'm going to go into my heart seven times and dig seven more holes. And if he wounds me 70 times seven, I'm going to continue to cover his sins with love because love covers a multitude of sins, my brothers and sisters. And so God give us great courage today and great graciousness where we need to point out a brother or a sister's sin, to warn them where they're losing sight of the gospel, where they're losing sight of the kingdom. And God grant us the help to do this when we need to. But God also grant us the day-to-day patience and love to bear with our brothers and sisters' sanctification. And when we're nicked, and when we're chafed, and when they say things thoughtlessly, when they scratch us with their imperfections, God help us in mercy to bury and to cover their sins in love. Because love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. Love is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears 
all things, all nicks, all chafes, all scratches. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never fails. And my brothers and sisters, the Lord invites you to the table today. And in his love, he says, I will cover all of your sins. I will be done with them. And I invite you today to receive the love of the Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.